Hello and welcome to the Soccer History USA podcast on today's episode, Fantastic Philadelphia. In today's episode, we wrap up the first season of the American Soccer League and take a look at the Player of the Year and the Team of the Year. No surprises as Philadelphia took the crown, becoming the ASL's first-ever champions. They ended the season with 72 goals scored and only 36 conceded. What was slightly surprising is that despite their early dominance, they stumbled a bit down the stretch, but still managed to close things out and take the title. At the bottom of the table, Holyoke didn't even complete all its scheduled games, deciding by mutual consent to cancel the last two, thus saving the transportation costs. The final table looked like this. Philadelphia at the top of the table with 38 points, New York second with 33, followed by Todd Shipyard at 29, Harrison with 23, J.M.P. Coates also with 23, Fall River United at 11, and Holyoke Falcos with 7 points. The team that mounted the closest challenge to Philadelphia was the New York Field Club. The Gothamites finished in second place after going 9-1-2 in the second half of the season. This included two wins over the Phillies, a 3-1 victory in the Quaker City, and a 3-2 win in New York. Philadelphia met New York at home on a cold day just after the turn of the new year. It was the club's first defeat of the ASL campaign. The team was missing three key starters, including fullback Jock Ferguson, center halfback Bill Porter, and perhaps most importantly, center forward Harold Britton. Part of the reason for the club's slump was the absence of Britton, who missed several weeks after injuring his leg in December. The Bethlehem Globe called the loss the team's worst performance of the season. The slick passing game that usually overwhelmed opponents continually broke down and Philadelphia failed to convert their chances in front of goal. Goals by Henry Meyerdeeks and Archie Stark in the first half staked the New Yorkers to a 2-0 lead after 45 minutes. Eventually, they cruised to a 3-1 win. And now for some headlines from Off the Pitch. Former Assistant Secretary of the Navy Franklin D. Roosevelt was named chairman of the newly organized American Construction Council. The group's main task is to raise standards, cut waste, and restore public confidence in the building trades. Girl toilers in Bryn Mawr. Women laborers will again be able to attend college this summer at Bryn Mawr. About 100 candidates from 11 countries will participate in the program. Among the trades represented by the young women are garment, textile, and telephone workers, printers, and manufacturers of typewriters. Sultan Ahmed Fouad Pasha was proclaimed king of an independent Egypt. The announcement was accompanied by 101 gun salutes in Cairo, Alexandria, and Port Said. In a statement, the monarch declared, We have taken for ourselves the title His Majesty King of Egypt in order to ensure the country's dignity and its international status. In sports, Chicago White Sox pitcher Charlie Robertson hurled a perfect game versus the Detroit Tigers. It was the first in the big league since 1908 and only the sixth since 1875. Todd Shipyards, who had been in second place most of the season, fell to third in the table 
after a mediocre second-half record of five wins, four losses, and two draws. They began 1922 with three straight losses, including a surprising 2-1 defeat away at Fall River. Things turned around after a 6-3 thumping of Philadelphia at home on February 5th. Likewise, the Mac attack turned hot, scoring 10 goals in the club's final four games, helping them end the season with three straight wins. Nevertheless, the poor form at the start of the year allowed New York to leapfrog them into second place. At the other end of the table, Fall River and Holyoke combined for just three wins in 1922. Both teams had trouble finding the back of the net. Holyoke was shut out five times out of nine games played and scored just seven goals total. Over the course of the season, the club found the net only 17 times, eight fewer than the league's top goal scorer. Fall River never scored more than two goals in a game after the new year and twice lost four in a row. With the end of the season come the awards. The player of the year was without a doubt Philadelphia center forward Harold Britton. In some ways his stats are almost ridiculous. He led the league in goal scoring despite missing several games with an injury, capturing the golden boot with 27 tallies in just 17 appearances. He had eight multi-goal games and scored five in a 6-3 win over Harrison in March 1922. Britton was born in Derby, England in 1894 and began his career at Ilkeston United before joining Chelsea in late 1913. He scored two goals in his first two games in the side, but only managed two more in the next nine. Some sources indicate that illness and injuries prevented him from establishing himself with the London club. He served in the army during World War I and afterwards struggled to find a regular place on the Blues team sheet making only 15 appearances in the 1919-20 season. Afterwards, he immigrated to the United States and joined Bethlehem Steel for the 1920-21 campaign, scoring 14 goals in just 11 games with his new club. He continued that form into the ASL, making him a clear choice for Player of the Year. The sponsor of today's show is Scott Powell Milk. How vital it is that milk should be absolutely uniformly clean. Every dairy herd supplying Scott Powell Milk is carefully and frequently inspected. Then the most perfect system of milk transportation you could imagine safeguards the fresh, clean milk from the country dairy right up to your own doorstep. Scott Powell Milk, fresher by a day. Since the dominant tactic in the ASL was the 2-3-5, we'll fill out our Team of the Year using the same formation. The Team of the Year begins in goal with Golden Glove winner from New York Field Club Robert Bobby Gudert. Born in New York in 1900 to German immigrant parents, he was a multi-sport athlete who played soccer with various junior clubs while also flashing talent on the basketball court. The 20-year-old was given a tryout with New York in the spring of 1921 and must have impressed manager Maurice Vanderwey 
and he soon found himself in net versus visiting Scottish side third Lanark in July. Goodard had four clean sheets while helping New York concede the fewest goals in the league. The fullbacks were Philly veteran Jock Ferguson on the left and New Yorker Charles Kelly on the right. A trio of Scottish-born players operated in the midfield. Philadelphia's Bobby Bethune manned the left side, James Campbell of Todd Shipyards in the center, and Tommy Stark of New York on the right. It was all my fault we had to part. And I've thought it over now, sweetheart. Can't I make amends? The attackers were led by Player of the Year Britain at center forward. At outside left was Britain's teammate, Tommy Whitey Fleming. Born in Scotland in 1890, Fleming was probably the nation's top winger. Although eclipsed by his strike partner, Britain, Fleming was no slouch in front of goal, scoring 15 times during the 1921-22 season. At inside left was Frank McKenna of top Todd Shipyards, who also tallied 15 goals. On the other side, at outside right, was another member of the Mac attack, George McKelvey. Finally, at inside right was New York's Archie Stark, who after a slow start managed 13 goals for the season. Honorable mention goes to Harrison center forward John Rabbit Hemingsley, who finished second in scoring after Britain with 16 goals. Manager of the year was Philadelphia boss M.T. Kelly. The ASL had enjoyed a solid first campaign, but what changes would take place in the offseason? Who would remain in the league? Who would go? What new clubs and what players will enter the league? Find out the answers to these questions and more on the Soccer History USA podcast. Sources for today's program included Colin Joes' The American Soccer League, www.bethlehemsteelsoccer.org, footballinthefirstworldwar.org, and the archives of the New York Times, music from archive.org. Thank you for listening to the Soccer History USA podcast. For more information, visit www.soccerhistoryusa.org and follow me on Twitter at Soccer History US. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thank you.